everyone, and welcome to The Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are on a mission to kill God. The God, in fact, of the MCU, Thor Odinson. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing Thor Love and Thunder. We're going to start with an icebreaker question before jumping into a spoiler-free review and uh, providing a verdict on what we think of the film and whether or not you should see it. And then we'll conclude our conversation today by going into an in-depth spoiler discussion where we talk about some of the things in the movie, uh, maybe like, hey, where, where are we at with the state of the MCU phase four? Or what's this movie? Is this movie really talking about killing gods? Stay tuned to the spoiler section to find out. But... Of course, I can't just review a movie on my own. I mean, I could. It just wouldn't be nearly as fun. Uh, I'd be more like Thor 1, less like Thor Ragnarok. So uh, joining me today, uh, you know, long-running uh, co-host here on The Cinematic Schematic and award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, Laurent Chapman. Laurent, welcome back. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me back. And I'm super excited about our, our next guest here in the studio because he probably doesn't realize that you were on the show a long time ago via Tower Theater panel discussion, which made its way into my RSS feed. Oh, is it the Pan's Labyrinth? It was uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Chit-chat? Chit-chat. 2017. That didn't lower your expectations? You're still excited <laughs> about me being here? Nathan, I have never been more excited to invite someone on to a Thor podcast, other than maybe Chad, but we'll get to Chad in a second. So Nathan Poppy, the Curbside Chronicle editor, he's a concert photographer here in Oklahoma City, and also, we like to call him Oklahoma's favorite son. Nathan, welcome back to the show. Hey. Glad to be here. I see you have the hammer with you. You ready to smash some stuff? Get out of my way, please. I know you worked really hard on this table, but it will be uh, oh destroyed shortly. Let me cry. Oh, tears. All right. And last but certainly not least, uh, we're moting in. So we have two in studio. We also have another guest that's remoting into us uh, from uh, the great state of Maine today. I'm so uh, excited to welcome for the first time Chad Parisman, a podcast host and producer. He's also the principal and founder at Ader Communications. And I would say one of uh, the more astute Disney fans I know. Chad, Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to finally be here after after listening to so many episodes. Well, firstly, I'm flattered that you, you continued to listen after the first one. So thank you, uh, number one. Uh, number two, I was like, I've been sitting on this for a while. I'm like, I got to get Chad on an episode. I just had to figure out like what was the best movie and uh, looking at the lineup this summer. I know, um, you know, it, I don't know if it was for better or for worse that you didn't make it onto the Jurassic World episode. Uh, yeah, I think you would have regretted having me on Jurassic Jurassic World for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so those, for those of you who listen to Jurassic World, we we had a very, Laurent, you can attest, we had a very harsh conversation about that movie. Apologies, I had feelings. Um, <laughs> and and it was good to know that there were people like Chad out there who, in fact, enjoyed the movie much more than us. So that was nice. I loved it. I, I It is the first time that I went to the movies by myself in a very long time. I had a total blast and not to give anything away, but I also saw Thor Love and Thunder by myself. I, I, excited to get into that with you all today. All right. Well, we have so much to get to, but before we do get into today's review conversation, I just want to quickly note, listeners, if you're listening to the show today and you really want to to chime in on all of the the Mjolnir, hope I said that right, uh, lightning summoning that we're doing today, to enjoy the conversation, this lightning in a bottle on the show, please make sure to support us by rating the show and subscribing on your preferred podcast app. Uh, most notably, Apple Podcasts. Give us a, a five-star rating. Take the extra 15 seconds to say a super awesome podcast. Love it. Uh, or if you're on Spotify, listen to an episode and give us five stars there. Uh, it would really help us get discovered by more listeners like you. Now, with that said, let's let's start to talk about Thor, Love and Thunder. 
what I mean here is we're going to break the ice. I want our listeners to know exactly what each of you brings to the table uh, in terms of your your sort of like relationship with the the IP or the brand, so to speak. So the icebreaker question I have for you today, pop music. I feel like this was a very good group for pop music. So thinking back earlier this year, we had the Batman, which leaned very heavily into the use of Nirvana to sort of set the tone for emo Bruce Wayne. And now we have Thor Love and Thunder, uh, which you know, Taika Waititi said was really a tribute to Guns N' Roses. And, you know, if you see the movie, he uses quite a bit of Guns N' Roses. I want to ask you, guests, what superhero pop music matchup would you like to see? And Nathan, I'm going to start with you. Well, uh, I'm glad we didn't do this a couple weeks ago before Stranger Things came out, because I was going to say Kate Bush, so that's just <laughs> off the table. That's directly off the table. But have you guys ever heard of this band, Creed? They have this song called Higher. It's fairly sick, and it could work with... Almost any superhero movie. <laughs> but uh, I'd like an emo version of that song. See, mm-hmm. like, slow it down. Be perfect for a trailer. I mean, you could do it for Morbius 2. <laughs> Very flexible song. You could use it for a lot of purposes. Morbius 2, Morb Harder. It's that Morbin Time, I don't know, memes. Memes. <laughs> I, okay, I like the Creed. That's a take. That's a throwback to the high school days. I kind of think it, it could be most fun if you did it like in a comedic sense, like with uh, Deadpool, perhaps. I think Deadpool also is really good at using music a little ironically. I don't know. Ron, you're shaking your head. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, for me, I'm going to go a little, I mean, not too far from where Nathan <laughs> went, but it's very nostalgic. Uh, I'm, I want to see, and I'm not, it's not even pop music. I'm going to say R&B. I want to see some R&B like Boys to Men mm-hmm. and Wakanda Forever. You know, so that's, that's, that's kind of the vibe that i I'm feeling. I feel like that's very possible too. Yeah, I think I like that's yeah, not a stretch. At they all. use like Kendrick Lamar and stuff like that in like newer age music. So it would be interesting to see like a stripped down something like that. That little era of uh, the '90s for me, but yeah. Okay, so boys to men, I like that combo. <laughs> boys to Wakanda. Nice. Boys, there it is. See, <laughs> branding. All right. Well, Chad, that takes us. That takes us to you. What what sort of matchup would you like to see? Yeah, so I'm I'm going uh, Canada's favorite son with Canada's favorite superhero and Canada's favorite pop rock group, and we're gonna have a whole Deadpool uh, movie that is nothing but bare naked ladies songs. Because uh, I I absolutely think both Ryan Reynolds as a person and as Deadpool would know all of the lyrics to One Week. Okay, I think so. In fact, they could appear in the movie, too. I think that would actually play pretty well. Yeah, 100%. Like, he goes back to Canada. Like, Deadpool at the Juno Awards definitely could be a scene, right? Like, he pops in. uh, He brokers a piece, and, like, they get back to, like, Steve Page gets back together. I don't know if any of you guys listen to BNL at all, but they're, like, one of my top three bands. So I I know way more stuff about that. <laughs> I think I did see the, Chad. Yours is so good. I kind of wish you could pitch it to some sort of Disney executive because I mean, we had the the entire Celine Dion return via Deadpool yeah. two, which was incredible, by the way. But yeah, it's a Celine I, ballad. We, exactly, and it's, like, and it's yeah. actually kind of slap. Well, they've got a exactly it does slap um, <laughs> with bullets. Uh, you know, you've got to bring. I think they've got to bring that again, right? They got to come up with a combo to do something similar. Definitely. I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, being being under the the Fox umbrella, you know, maybe they were like, I don't know how that changes it going to Disney for the next movie. But, you know, I I think Bernicke Ladies is like, despite the name is pretty, pretty family friendly for for the Disney audience. I think so. 
I think if Disney wanted to make an impression with the first trailer to say, "Oh, we got you guys. We're not we're not watering this down." <laughs> I think that would be a really great way to to Dude, launch yeah. Deadpool pr- promo uh, campaign. All right, so I've got a few for you guys. Uh, first up, um, I know we just got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but I kind of want to see a Radiohead Doctor Strange combo. Trippy, you know that sequence. Have has everyone here seen Doctor Strange? By the way, yes. Okay, sure. So you know the sequence where he's flying through all the different realities, and you see like the paint universe and the drawing universe. Like, I'm like, what if we slowed that down? And you set an entire music video in one of like the paint universe with some Radiohead. I'm just, I just think there's some real potential there. I'm really sad this doesn't exist. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's the unrealized potential of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. There's a lot of it. Uh, That's what was missing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked it, but there was also a lot of missing potential. I mean, that whole scene was literally missing of like you know going through all of the other multiverses that we expected. But yes, it's like you guys thought you were gonna experience all of these multiverses well here they are and now we're going to set you in this other one for half the movie it's not the paint this had bruce campbell though we don't see bruce campbell in the paint one yeah i don't know that opens like a can of worms like a universe where everybody's face is tom york's face and (laughs) you don't want to see that on a baby (laughs) it's true um that could get pretty scary pretty fast and all of a sudden you realize it's a bad trip uh okay so my second one i'm gonna throw out here uh this was because i deep down really want a good superman and you know what i just stop trying to overthink superman keep it simple truth justice and actually he revoked his american citizenship so it's no longer the american way but he is for the people uh truth and justice be an aspirational figure that inspires people to realize their best potential who else does that but you two Come on, you get some Uto, beautiful day, and you see Superman fly in front of the sun, soaking up the yellow rays. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Hard I, to Coldplay's yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say if if you're gonna go truth and justice, I mean, we're we're in a little bit of the the Metallica sans. Um, you know, I think it's truth and justice for all, and you know, it's it's Metallica is the is the theme to. To, to the next Superman. I, I could get behind that too. Lastly, I just have to say, I am a defender of Spider-Man 3, have always been. I'm not going to say it's as good as Spider-Man 1 or Spider-Man 2. Sp- excuse me, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 from 2007. I'm not going to say it's as good as Spider-Man 1 or Spider-Man 2, but it is better than probably the Andrew Garfield movies, mostly. And I kind of at least like that it's got like an auteur's touch to it. Sam Raimi's fingerprints all over that movie compared to the Marvel Spider-Man movies, which I also like. So you know what? Let's just, fans are re-editing things all the time. Let's go ahead and just, we all know we want the Fallout Boy Spider-Man 3 combo. Like, let's just go, someone re-edit it. Let's make it a fun fun time. Play it at the movies. Sam, maybe you can do a talk in front of it. I don't know. Well, you guys have heard enough of my crazy bad ideas. Listeners, if you want to pitch us uh, your combo for a superhero pop music matchup in a film, uh, what would you like to see? You can uh, let us know by hitting me up in an email at thecinematropolis at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our spoiler-free review of Thor, Love, and Thunder. Kids, get the popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space viking. Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dead bod to god bod. 
And after all that, Mjolnir. he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? The old ex-girlfriend. What's it been like? Three, four years? <laughs> Eight years, seven months and six days. Give or take. Am I uh, sensing feelings? Well, <laughs> you're right. So according to IMDb, Thor Love and Thunder is described as Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore, the God Butcher, who intends to make gods extinct. And a few different things I wanted to note about Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, firstly, this is the first MCU film that we've got in the fourth chapter, unless you count the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame as two separate ones, but this is the, the only standalone hero who has gotten a fourth movie. Iron Man didn't get four, Captain America doesn't get four, um, so this is the, the only time this has happened so far. Uh, secondly, it's the 29th MCU film made to date since 2008, which is just insane that we're almost 30 movies deep into this thing. And um, again, I'm just... we. The reviews have been out, so there is probably going to be some reaction to kind of the reception of this movie. Um, and what I mean is Love and Thunder is actually the second lowest rated Thor film on Rotten Tomatoes, coming in at 68%, which is actually only just one point higher than 2013's Thor The Dark World, which that film is frequently thought of as one of, if not the worst MCU film. So, again, the reviews have been kind of mixed, so to speak. So... With all that said, now that you kind of know what, where our head's at, what we're thinking, what the people out there are saying, what do we at this table say? So what was your quick take and overall thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder? Laurent, I'm going to start with you. You know, I I keep I keep advertising myself as like a, I have a lot of Marvel fatigue. I'm like beyond it at this point, but I still go to all of them because there's just this aspect of nostalgia that I'm still, I guess, searching. Um, so I had a good time with this, surprisingly. Like not, I'm not going to, call it, you know, um, one of the best in the MCU by any stretch. But I at least liked, even though tonally it's kind of all over the place, but in kind of a fun, unpredictable way, um, that to me, bringing these auteur directors in to kind of put their little stamp or remix the genre a little bit, um, for me, made it bearable. <laughs> you know, so um, even enjoyable, even enjoyable, I'd say. So overall, you're, you're, you're generally thumbs up. Generally a thumbs up. I don't see what the polarization is because at this point I'm like, what – is left to discover in this universe at this point. Like, I mean, it's like, let's just let Thor have a romantic comedy. You know, but that's fine. I, I, I'm here for that. All right. So we've got one defender at the table. Chad, give me your take. What did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? I'm going to go big thumbs up. I don't know if this is the best phase four movie. I think we could we could debate that. I'll say it was the most fun of the phase four movies so far. Um, and you know, I just, I really enjoyed it. It, it's a, I agree the role, it's a bit up and down in places. Um, but I immediately left the theater and said, I can't wait to watch that again, which I, I don't think I've done even for the Spidey movie. Um, it, it, it's probably since like Endgame was the last movie that I said, like, uh, like I want to go buy another ticket right now and at least know that it's on my schedule to go see it. <laughs> 
Oh, that's great. That's great. So two, 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 one super defender, one defender, Nathan Poppy, what did you think? I feel like I might end up being the Debbie Downer of the group today. Uh, I saw your letterbox. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to match the enthusiasm. Um, I liked it just fine. I can't believe I've seen 29 of these things so far. Some of them probably more than one once, I'm sure. It's like when someone told me how many calories were in Eskimo Joe's cheese fries. <laughs> and you're just like, what? How is ate, that even possible? I ate that entire thing. I ate the whole thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was enough humor and spark left in the Thor world to make it worth the price of admission. I think we can agree some parts kind of ran uh, a little bit thin. Uh, like you said, the tone is a little wonky. Um, and uh, I'm sure this is a movie that will win some Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, um, but also has some, you know, nice orgy jokes in there as well. Yeah. Kind for of the kids, for the family. For the children. <laughs> also, oh, oh, another fun fact. My understanding, as I have read online, is this is the first time we have seen a Rob Buttocks in the MCU. So that's... Not the first sex scene, mind you, because that was the Eternals. Oh, I noticed. I noticed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So for the kids, just want to point that out. Is that why the whole theater screamed finally at the same time? (laughs) I got to stop looking at my yours too. Yours. I I did have an engaged audience in which there was clapping when that happened. So you know. (laughs) Um, But I will say uh, one of the bigger standouts. Thor has done this consistently. Has the best villains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but it definitely delivered on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I So, Nathan, I'm probably a little closer to you than I am to, to Chad on the spectrum. And maybe even a little closer to you than Laurent. I, I had a really good time. I laughed a lot. I will say it feels like it's going to be super easy to rewatch. Mostly because, A, it's a comedy. And, B... It's less than two hours, and I don't know. I've gotten to this point. Maybe it was that I had seen Elvis a couple days beforehand, but I was like, thank God. It's under two hours long. I can, like, just get in and out, and it's a good time. Um, You know, I will say part of this is my fault, That what I brought to the movie. I expected a lot uh, from this movie, and what I mean is this is Taika Waititi. He does such a great job with Ragnarok, which is probably one of my favorite MCU films. They added in, I mean, Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher. I was like, okay. I'm very intrigued, very good Academy Award-winning actor playing the villain. Um, I was super excited to, to see what Russell Crowe was going to do with this movie. Uh, you know, I knew he wasn't going to be in a lot, but the fact that he was in an MCU movie, I just, you know, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy were going to be here, and I one of my favorite interactions from Endgame was actually the back and forth between Thor and um, Star-Lord. So I was really just looking, I felt like all the ingredients were here for me to just, to just for them to hit a home run in which I said, this is the MCU still got some juice left in it. And I don't know if it was that kind of a home run. It was more like a, a double as in, I laughed a lot. The jokes were great. The goats got me every time they got my goat. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, and it's going to play really well on Disney plus. I will mm-hmm. say, um, because it's so it's, it's funny, but, uh, and it's short, but also tonally, all over the place Oh yeah, because you have sort of the rom-com with, with Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth and even a little bit of the Tessa Thompson or also um, Mjolnir. And I can't remember the name of the axe. Stormbreaker. Probably know Stormbreaker. Thank you. Uh, there's a little bit of rom- romance going on there. All that stuff's fun. But then you have Gore the God Butcher, which is basically like, yeah, gods are awful. Let's burn it all to the ground. 
Um, and not only that, like, let's do it in like a really awful, terrible way. Just tonally, it kind of doesn't always feel like it jives uh, super duper well. So overall, I would say fun time, easy to rewatch. I enjoyed it. I think I probably set myself up a little bit for failure because I just the with the talent both behind it and in front of the camera, I was like, this is going to be like one of the best MCU movies. And in reality, for me, it's probably more like mm, middle of the pack, even though I liked it. It's not one I, I think, uh, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and say, that's the one they got right, you know. Um, so I'd say middle of the road for me overall. Um, but uh, speaking of the the cast, I mean, what did you guys think about the the cast here? Uh, I mean, Nathan, you mentioned Gore the God Butcher. We can get into him a little spoiler free, of course. But like, what did you think of like his portrayal of the of the villain? Um, I I just think he was the most interesting part of the movie. He the, Bale was able to kind of emote. I felt like. Thor was kind of in his box. Jane's kind of in his box. Uh, we've seen a lot of these characters uh, in Ragnarok. And so just watch, watching Christian Bale just, you know, go all over the place, um, be kind of unpredictable. And he seemed like he was having a great time with it. Um, I don't know a lot about Gore. He's probably uh, going into it not knowing a lot about him. Um, just helped make that a more interesting character for me. But um, he's spooky as hell. Oh, yeah. terrifying. Nightmare fuel for children, frankly. There's a scene where he interacts with some children and you're like, oh, goosebumps, you know. Uh, What about the rest of the cast? So you were thinking kind of everyone else, you felt like everyone else was sort of kind of going through the motions? Yeah, I would would say so. Like Thor's, you know, he's definitely got his himbo thing down. (laughs) Um, uh, It was nice that Jane got a little bit, finally got something interesting to do in the movie. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Tessa Thompson, great. Well, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. fantastic. She's totally dialed in. I'm happy to see her. Uh, Taika, uh, I'd say that guy uh, as Korg carries a lot of the humor in this movie. Yeah. I was surprised by how much they gave him. Obviously, he was a favorite in the last one, but they gave him. He talked a lot mm-hmm. during this movie, and I don't know if he talked more than Thor, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, I agree. Laurent, what, what's your thoughts on the cast? Uh, similar. I'm just glad. Natalie Portman, Jane got something to do in this one. That was nice. Um, I think that uh, we, we kind of mentioned Russell Crowe. I thought he was like just perfection. I don't know what his accent was, but I, I it really loved it. it. Super <laughs> Mario as a god. It just, but when he just, when he went down the staircase with the, you know, I just, I was like, okay, we're going there. That's what this movie's doing now. So, so yeah, um, Russell Crowe was a standout for me. Um, and Christian Bale was great. He was really great. No, I, I think that's uh, the well said. Uh, Chad, what about you? What were your thoughts on the cast? Were you, you pretty happy with, you know, kind of how they, they brought in um, Lady Thor? Sorry, correction. Mighty, Mighty. Thor. Uh, I, Mighty I, Thor. I almost, I, I almost Sexist. fell into my <laughs> own trap. Uh, the Mighty Thor. Did you like sort of how they positioned Natalie Portman in that way? Yes. Dr. Jane Foster was, uh, I, I thought was fantastic. It was great to see her back. Like everybody said, you know, actually giving her something meaningful to do i thought she handled all the the physical scenes you know really well um i I was a little upset at the guardians of the galaxy it it felt kind of wasted like they were in either one of them to be there longer and show up more Uh, we we (laughs) can talk about where maybe later on um or just it should have been like a passing you know goodbye It, it it felt very very awkward and just I think wasted to have that that great cast 
doing what the doing what they did. Um, agree about you know I, I think uh, Taika as Korg and and Tessa as like kind of the the side characters in this I think work out really well and they're they're they do their job and uh, you know I don't know when did when did Russell, Russell Crowe like get over that hump where he's just chewing scenery like I, I don't know when that when he made that transition from like a, you know action actor to like I, I, I'm gonna Lame be is. I'm gonna be that guy I guess I guess like Lame is, is that it <laughs> totally fair i think we can put a stick in there yeah totally (laughs) yeah no i um i I, yeah you know on the guardians of the galaxy thing again we're we're not going to get too detailed in the spoiler free section but i what i will say and and this actually ties into kind of what my next question is which is related to taika watiti and his involvement here it felt very much like a, a typical mcu problem in which basically Taika, uh, I, he was already in talks to do this one when Ragnarok came out. Basically, they had an idea when they were making Ragnarok. That was a huge hit. So then Marvel said, yeah, do the next. You're going to do the next Thor movie. But then they do all the in-game stuff. And obviously, where, where it ends with you know Thor, fat, chubby, or chubby. I don't know. Um, not in his best shape. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Seasonably plump. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with the Guardians, it, it feels like they're like, all right, Taika, now you got to figure out how, how to how to incorporate them into your movie. And he's like, well, I'm not really interested. It just seems to me, it's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that though. So (laughs) how can I get them out of this? Like, how do I break this relationship off as quickly as possible? You know, while also meeting the, the, the demands of what I, I assume are the demands of the producers like Kevin Feige saying, yeah, we got to have the guardians there. We left you with that. And the chemistry was so great from the last movie. How about you incorporate that into your movie? So uh, with that in mind though, Chad, I'm going to turn it back to you. I mean, do you think, uh, you know, Taika Waititi's writing and directing, he has a very unique style, uh, since Thor Ragnarok, he, he won the Oscar for screenplay, uh, for, uh, Jojo Rabbit, which is an incredible film. If you, you haven't seen it, listeners, I mean, do you do you think what he's bringing to the table is still a value add uh, in Love and Thunder? Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't think. Yeah. The the other thing that we haven't talked about yet is the visuals of this movie are incredible, and I think it's actually definitely the best looking Phase Four movie as well, and probably one of the better lookings of all the MCU. Um, you know, and I think what he does really well is set pieces. So to your point earlier, like. I can definitely see jumping in and being like, I'm just going to watch this scene. I'm going to just watch that scene. Like, I think the problem becomes when you're stringing those scenes together. And, uh, you know, I know it's been reported that there was like a four hour cut of this movie. I'm very glad we got that. Um, other people have also said they're very glad that, you know, we, we got this nice and tidy under two hours. Um, but I think it's the it's the like how do we get from point A to point B? And I think we saw the same thing with Ragnarok, right? Like there's some great set pieces, and then it just kind of jumps almost like it's like the end of an SNL sketch where we're like we don't know how to end this, and so it just becomes really awkward. Um, yeah. You know, I we could talk. Yeah, you know, we could talk about like if he wanted to, does he get another whack at this? You know, I, I would. Personally, actually, one of the things you talked about earlier, I would love to see almost like him and Raimi team up. And like, I, I would have loved to have seen Tyka's take on some of the scenes of uh, of Doctor Strange. And I think like Raimi could have been great at the, you know, I'll just say the the horror scenes yeah. that we got that we got in this movie. 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's a crazy yep. combo too. I'd love to see that because um, both of them have some pretty unique unique strengths there. Um, Leron, what about you? I mean, do you think that uh, Taika's voice and his talents are put to good use in this film? I do. I think I I don't. The word adding value feels a little strong for me with this the per se, but I think that it at least makes prolonging these franchises any longer. Like, you know, it makes it more entertaining. You know, I was like, okay, so I they're essentially becoming like character studies at this point. The plot doesn't really matter. We're just like spending time with them doing quirky things at this point. It's kind of like the greatest hits of the previous uh, franchises. So I'm okay with that for now. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how long you have to kind of keep making a case for it with each one for me. Um, The next one has to be a little more fun than even this one was for me to keep saying, let's do it. But I enjoyed it though. I mean, I mean, your point, Laron, the thing I was most excited about with this, and I told you this about, I told everyone this about Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. It wasn't that it was a Doctor Strange movie. It was that, oh my gosh, Sam Raimi's Sam making Raimi. a movie again. Yes. <laughs> like, And the same is for Taika Waititi. I mean, I loved what he did with Ragnarok. And again, Jojo Rabbit, I think is an incredible film that I think pretty much everyone should at least try to take a crack at um, watching. But um, yeah, so it's like, you know, what left is there to explore in the MCU? A letting directors with unique visions have as much fun as possible while also still fitting in the parameters that are established, I right. guess. Nathan, uh, I mean, what, what do you think? Uh, is the tyke of it all, is it still working for you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's you're kind of scratching at a really interesting question. Like, how much of your personality can you actually put into <laughs> a, a Marvel movie? I mean, Sam tried really hard, and the tail end of that movie felt like a Sam Raimi movie. Yep. And I was like, yeah, give me that. The whole movie. The whole movie, pretty yep. please. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Taika, the man, writes, directs, and acts at uh, a ridiculously high volume. Uh, <laughs> there's a pretty excellent New York Times feature that came out a couple weeks ago that just talks about how busy he's been because he's, uh, you know, co-producing uh, Reservation Dogs. Uh, Our Flag Means Death. He's acting on that, and big part of that as well. Uh, he's writing a Star Wars He's got a soccer movie that he shot in Hawaii. Also, I want to. I really want to see. I want to see it, but also not just a Star Wars. He's apparently doing the next one that is already on Lucasfilm has already committed to their docket. But he also said recently in an interview, he's like, "I hope they like what I give them." I haven't turned in my first draft yet. <laughs> so, oh no! Yeah, you know. So anyway, yeah, he's he's got a lot on his plate. All that to say, busy guy, and and I wonder if he got stretched a little bit bit thin on this one, um, and it's it. I don't know anybody that could keep up with a pace like that, but I feel like some of the humor um, and some of the things that felt repetitive to me, like the goats screaming, uh, I think he just kind of used the humor sometimes as a crutch throughout this thing. Um, But uh, I'd watch him direct a stage musical of Annie at an elementary school because he always, (laughs) you know, I've been a fan of him since Eagle versus Shark. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People is a uh, incredible Love that movie. Absolutely. And like, he's just so good at working with uh, interesting casts, young and old, and gives people something interesting to do a lot of the times. But um, yeah, this one just didn't fire on all cylinders for me. Yeah, Nathan, you, you raise a great point, which is how busy he is, because I think that's the thing. The movie is him. But it's a little clunky, both tonally and some of the transitions that Chad even mentioned, how it sort of was like, oh, we don't know how to end the scene. So here's a joke. And now we're to the next one. And I felt that. And it, it's what's funny is I think, again, I don't want to assume I know what's going on in this guy's schedule, but I feel like if he had had more time, he could have he really could have ironed that out pretty 
easily because well, he's not Iron Man. That's uh, uh, <laughs> edit that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I because you know the thing about like Jojo Rabbit, for example, the thing that's incredible about that movie and Hunt for the Wilder People to a lesser degree is he's tackling some pretty heavy stuff. I mean, Jojo Rabbit's literally exploring the inner workings of Nazi Germany right before the fall, right? And that's a pretty heavy subject, but he's able to do it in a way that is both really funny, but also emotionally devastating uh, as he sort of explores these harsh truths through comedy. So I think he's one of the great comedic minds of our, you know, at least the last decade, if not our generation. But the thing I have here, though, is it does feel like either it was rushed to a deadline or it needed a few more passes in the in the scripting phase. And, you know, what's funny is he's been going out. He's been Either it's one quote that's been blown up a bunch or he's been saying it a couple times. They keep asking him if there's a longer version of this that exists. And he keeps saying there's no director's cut. Not only is there no director's cut, director's cuts are bad. I actually disagree with him. Some of them are very bad, but come on, people. I mean, uh, what was it? Troy, director's cut's great. Uh, the Kingdom of Heaven, Ridley, Ridley Scott, the king of director's cuts. It's actually better. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, Alien, too. Oh, yeah. And Alien. Jersey Girl. <laughs> have you ever have you ever seen the 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 full like the the original cut of Jersey Girl? No, wasn't it R rated? Like there was like a PG th- the one that we got was PG thirteen, right? I don't know if it was R, but there's there's a like if you remember the movie, right? Like they kill off J Lo in, in spoilers yeah. for like a twenty year old movie. They kill off J Lo very early. There's a there's like an entire act one of her and Ben together. Um, it feels that, that way. That sets up so much more stuff later on. And because of Geely, like they were just like, you got to cut all. How much of this can we cut out of here? Um, <laughs> but yes, that's I think those are all exceptions to the rule. And generally director's cuts. Uh, you know, I'm I am not a Snyder cut fan. So uh <laughs> an exception I, to the exception. I, it's uh, that's a whole. I literally have an entire other podcast on that movie and uh, yeah, complicated yeah. feelings. On one hand, it's a better thing. I don't even know if it's a movie because it's literally a mini series that's yeah. strung together. It's a better thing, but also, uh, I mean, how could it not be with an extra thirty million dollars and reshoots and yeah, all that anyway? So it's unwieldy. Yeah, it's it's. I ne- yes, I enjoyed watching it once, never again. Because yeah. it's just not even because I disliked it. Or I liked it, but it's too long. And too it's much, going, and too it's much going, movie. And uh, as in the DC world, it's going nowhere. Sorry, DC fans. I'm <laughs> one of you guys, but uh, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so Chad was talking earlier about the uh, the special effects. And this movie actually relied very heavily on technology that was recently developed for The Mandalorian, known as Stagecraft, where they film in what it were being called volumes. And so essentially what this is, is giant LED screens. So instead of having giant green screens or blue screens, people are interacting with where they have to use their actors have to use their imagination. Directors have to use their imagination. They actually build out these sets that are all virtual on these very high resolution LED screens that, that encompass the entire set. So there's, you could, you know, people who are cinematographers can, can look at the things from different angles. Uh, actors can actually see the world they're supposed to be engaging with. There's a lot of perks to it, but I, I, I want to just turn it to the table to see Chad, obviously very pro on the VFX. Uh, Nathan, what did you think about how this film looked? I have no gripes about the VFX outside of uh, a couple of fight scenes early on. Um, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but we have kind of these shadow monsters, uh, that are, uh, fighting throughout this town and I couldn't see anything. And I kind of had the same problem towards the tail end of the movie where it was just really dark and I had trouble following the action. Um, so you can make all the technical jumps, uh, in the world, but, uh, 
you know, kind of sloppy, hard to follow action is, is, uh, doesn't eliminate that problem. But, uh, as far as like jumping through some of the planets and seeing some of the other worlds, uh, that was pretty spectacular. Uh, especially, um, when we enter a world with, uh, very little color, um, I felt like I was kind of transported into a black and white movie from decades and decades ago. And some of that was definitely pretty slick. So overall solid. I, I can I can relate to the fight scenes. I I would chalk a lot more of that up personally. Not it is a VFX problem to an extent, but the editing in particular. I, I think if I if I'm thinking the same sequence you are, I also felt like the editing was a little. And, and frankly, a lot of MCU movies, a lot of movie blockbusters in general, mm-hmm. especially the MCU, have this thing where they're really bad at like things happening and you understanding where everything is in relation to each other. It's one of the reasons Tom Cruise with the mission impossible movies are so great or the John wick movies is like, Oh, I know this person's over here fighting this thing and this thing versus if it's not carefully edited, it just kind of looks like a salad of, uh, fights happening. And sometimes it's like close-ups. Yeah. So I hear you, uh, Laurent, what do you, what do you think about the visuals? You know, the best thing I can say about them is that, you know, I had to ask you what they were before we did this, you know, just so I was aware, you know, like, and I'm, so the fact that I didn't know that it was there tells me that I, it wasn't distracting, but for sure, um, when we were in the shadow realm, that was just such a highlight cinematically. So, I mean, there's just some really, really stunning shots in it. So, which is not normally something I say about an MCU movies because they, they've become so much of the sameness in terms of their visual aesthetic. So to actually get textures and colors and some looks like some practical things, you know, it, it looks, it looks and feels a lot better, more tangible for sure. I, I would definitely say that the, the sort of, um, shadow world universe, there's an actual name, sorry, fans, you can tweet at me or whatever. <laughs> but, um, again, we won't say what happens there, but it is, there's a specific sequence that happens there that I, I think, yeah, Lauren, I'd agree. It's probably one of the most visually and, and Nathan too, most visually striking, sequences in any MCU film just because it's so outside of their sort of like quote unquote brand standards, you know, that we've seen in dozens of literally dozens of other movies at this point. Uh, Chad, anything you want to add about the, the visual effects? No, I mean, I, you know, being a Disney fan, like I love the stuff that they're doing in the volume for anyone that's interested. If you haven't seen it, even if you haven't watched the Mandalorian uh, during season one or after season one of the Mandalorian on Disney plus, they did this kind of, behind the scenes documentary of like a bunch of episodes. And there's a whole one dedicated to just kind of explaining what the volume is and how it works and the kind of video game technology behind it. It's, it's quite fascinating for anyone that's like interested in learning more. Uh, And then I also read that they use this technology from a company called satellite lab, um, which does some really interesting kind of dynamic lighting kind of stuff. And I think the scene that we're talking about was probably shot using that. So uh, it's another kind of check mark for Taika. Like I think him embracing these technologies is is another great thing. And like, you know, he's not only willing to push the envelope on uh, characters and scenes and things like that, but also use of technology. Obviously, he picked it up working on the Mando stuff, and I'm assuming he's going to work on it, you know, for the new Star Wars. Um, so I'm a huge fan of it because I think what we get otherwise. Um, and I know you didn't do a whole episode and we keep going back to Dr. Strange, but like that Illuminati seek the whole Illuminati sequence feels like they're all staring at like five foot six tennis balls and no one in that scene that they shut that like is actually five foot six. Like there are, their eye lines are all over the place mm-hmm. in that whole scene. So like if this helps even a bit fix that, I- I'm all for it. 
Apologies to listeners uh, about the lack of the Doctor Strange. That might be have to, Laurent, we might have to do one of these at the end of the summer or something because uh, it was happening. It came out right like in the perfect storm of personal life stuff. So we missed an episode on it. Yeah. But um, there's there's a lot to talk about there. But yes, there's in fact a sequence that like literally you're like, there's a lot of cool people in one space. Were any of them actually in the same room, even close to at the same time? It doesn't really look like it yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would say too, uh, and Chad, thanks so much for sharing that reference uh, for the, the volumes. I'll see if I can't link that in the show notes. Another sort of use of it, I think my even up against Thor Love and Thunder, which I actually do think the movie looks very good. The only other movie I think that might beat it out for me personally is probably the Batman. Why is that? Because when I, I already knew what the volume tech was before watching the Batman from the Mandalorian, I literally had no clue they used that technology in that film in any way until they released the making of online featurette. And then I, I only discovered the, 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 the awesome car chase sequence with Batman and the Penguin that happens about roughly halfway through the movie was all done on the volume. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, are you kidding me? That looked incredible. Like I had no idea they weren't, you know, driving down, you know, yeah, a, a city street at slow <laughs> mile. You know, I, I thought it was a traditional car chase. Yeah. Um, so the fact they did it with that tech is pretty impressive. You know, I just want to stop and say here again, uh, I referenced earlier that there's been a lot of mixed reception and the, the, the funny enough, the visual effects have been one of the main criticisms and I'm we're all, I'm glad we're all on the same page. I literally am like I don't think we saw the same movie. Like I get that it's maybe a little awkward at points, but like the thing is, to your point, Chad, Taika Waititi did Ragnarok. That was one of the films that was pushing the envelope visually more than other Marvel films at the time. And I think this one takes it a whole step further. We get colorful worlds. Uh, you get there's a there's a sequence where they go to a, a city in the middle of the movie that's really beautiful. The beginning when he's hanging out with the guardians, there's a really another cool looking city that they have a cool action sequences. So visually, there's a lot of popping, and then obviously we've already re- referenced sort of the black and white sequence later. So I don't. It's just one of those one of these films where I walk out and I'm like, did I see the same movie <laughs> as like all these other people that didn't like it? I'm not saying we all have to agree, but it's just. Yeah. The criticisms are staggering because I, I thought the movie looked pretty good overall. I can Well, with all that said, uh, we're going to start to wrap down our spoiler-free review. Uh, the next thing we want to do before, though, is, is do a letter grade. So how would we rate Thor, Love, and Thunder? And, of course, on the show we do, like you would in school, A, B, C, D, skip E, no one likes E, or an F as in fail. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Laron. What letter grade would you give Thor, Love, and Thunder? Um, you know... I, I I gave this a solid B plus. I just felt like you know I'm not going to overpraise it, but I had more fun with it than I intended to going in, even with the pedigree of him being involved. So, um, for that, you know, I'm like, it's yeah, it's a solid. Like it's one I would rewatch, but it's one I'm not giving much thought. Yeah. All right. B. So B plus. B plus. Okay. All right. All right, that's, that's that's actually better than I expected from you. So that, there we go. Listeners, he's on the up. <laughs> I'm on the up. Chad, what uh, what letter grade would you give Thor Love and Thunder? Uh, I'm on the same page. I give it a I give it a B plus. Like solid. I think you got to reserve A's for something really exceptional and um similar. You know, I'm uh, uh I, I'm old and I still pay for cable television, so in like 4 years when this is on TNT in an afternoon, like I will definitely <laughs> in black and white. This. Yeah, yeah, like you know, it's, it's the same way that I'll like rewatch Ragnarok for like forty five minutes until I get tired of commercials. Like, I know I'm going to do that the the same way for Love and Thunder. Mm. 
That's great. Uh, again, another whole other podcast worth <laughs> reminiscing about. I, I miss the days where I just flip through channels and I get something catches my eye and then I just watch it. And yep. just, I, I discovered a lot of cool movies that way. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. it's not happening with streaming. So not at all. <laughs> right. So anyway, side note, uh, Nathan Poppy, what letter grade would you give Thor Love and Thunder? Man, if I could come up with a letter grade between uh, B and C, I would uh, C plus. C plus. Okay. That's cool. Very good. So C plus plus. I don't know. It's above average, <laughs> but just barely. Seventy nine point nine. Well, I'm I'm very close to you, Nathan. I'm gonna go B minus. Again, I think it's really fun. It's really rewatchable. I think if I think I set myself up a little bit thinking that it because of the caliber of people working on it that it was gonna probably be up another level. Um, instead, I just got a really fun, hilarious rom com MCU, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's again, it's gonna be great for Disney Plus because it's so short and funny. I can just turn it on while I'm doing something else, laugh at a few of the jokes, kind of like Chad with the uh, watching stuff on cable and rolling with my life. <laughs> All right, so listeners, last thing we'll do here is recommend. An alternate media recommendation. So this could be a movie, a television show, a novel, music, video game, you name it. So, uh, Nathan, I'm actually going to start with you. What other piece of media would you recommend to our listeners who are interested in Thor Love and Thunder or enjoyed the film? Yeah, I think we've already mentioned this briefly before. But um, if you like Taika and you haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People, go see, find it, watch it, stream it, love it. It's buy it. It's that good. It's freaking <laughs> great. I still have the Ricky Baker uh, happy birthday song stuck in my head. It'll never go away. Uh, you'll see so many familiar faces like from uh, uh, Ragnarok, uh, and it's delightful. Also, um, I'll throw out another uh, Taika uh, short film that was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, it's called Two Cars, One Night. It's this uh, love story between two kids who are in separate cars, but they're both waiting for their parents to come out of this bar in New Zealand. And uh, it's this kind of like first love story. And oh, nice. it's it's adorable, a testament to him being able to do a lot with very little. Uh, it's visually striking. It is black and white again. Oh, man. It's a full circle sold, there. Sold. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's on YouTube. You can find it. And uh, it's absolutely worth your time. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that's the best kind. So listeners, I... Uh, you know, finish listening to the episode uh, and then go to the show notes. You'll be able to, to, to find the YouTube, the video on the, the short film on YouTube and check it out immediately afterwards. Uh, Laurent Chapman, uh, what is another piece of media you'd recommend to listeners? Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like I agree with Nathan. I mean, if, I mean, if you like Taika, then you need to see the rest of his body of work to kind of make sense of his sensibilities and how it applies here in the MCU and how it applies in different genres because he does very different mediums. So, um, but just to say something different, and I'll get roasted from this and then lose all credibility, but, <laughs> um, you know, uh, mystery men comes to mind. I love that movie. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I wanted one of you. Well, I, I knew I'd get one of you. I don't know if it's good. I saw it in my youth and it's, I loved it. It's not good. I rewatched it during the pandemic, but it's still enjoyable. So, um, yeah, that, that came to mind. Just the court, the kind of sensibility he has exist in some small fragment in that universe for me, but. Mystery men. I feel not like, nearly as sophisticated. I mean, not nearly as sophisticated as 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 you know anything else he's done. But but if they were going to remake Mystery Men, Taika Waititi, he would make it. a good Mystery Men. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, that's a good wreck. <laughs> All right, Chad. How about you? What would you recommend to listeners? Uh, so I'm I'm going to go book. Uh, if you if you like the kind of theology piece 
of this and and uh i know we're gonna we're gonna get into it but uh if you if you find yourself agreeing with gore or you you want to talk about kind of the status of gods uh i'm gonna recommend the book small gods by terry pratchett it's part of the discworld series uh i don't know if any of you guys are are discworld fans it's it's 40 plus books and then a whole bunch of spinoffs and things like that uh but this serves as a standalone uh book uh, that kind of takes place at a time of the rest of the series. Uh, and they just actually released a brand new audiobook version that Andy Serkis uh, narrates on Audible. So like if you're not a book reader and you want to listen, check it out. There's like a comic book adaptation. Like it is uh, – I own all of them. It is one of my favorite books of one of my favorite authors. Um, so get, check that out. It, it's kind of the the difference between like belief and faith and and the role that gods play in in mortals lives and um i just i just absolutely love it and then i'm gonna give a an extra nod um to there's a there's an incredible la times piece from a few weeks ago on uh around the 30th anniversary of the november rain music video and uh november rain plays a, a an integral part in this uh in this movie and so I, you know, if you haven't read that, I'd, I'd go check it out. It's kind of, it's kind of the last big spectacle MTV musical um, of its time before MTV kind of severely changed uh, after that. So it's, it's worth a read. I will uh, make sure to, again, listeners link both of those in the show notes. Uh, Terry Pratchett, by the way, uh, I haven't read the whole series, but I'm familiar with his work. I uh, hadn't read a book in a few years, but he's very, very good for people who are into the, sort of the fantasy vibes. More in line with Chad's recommendations. I'm going to start with HBO's Watchmen, and here's why. I, I can't spoil the series, but I will just say they explore through the character. You're pretty sure I'm talking about... They explore the idea of like, what if God just got bored and was like, nah, uh, I'm going to move on and just like let the people do their thing. You know, it doesn't it, it's a, sort of a, one of something that go a little more in depth than in one of the episodes. But like the idea that this all powerful being, you know, isn't this noble God looking out for everyone. He just exists, creates something and is like. Yeah, yeah, maybe he, maybe it's not that great. So anyway, um, I think that's one we're checking out. There's a multitude of other reasons you should check it out. It's uh, deals head on with the, the, the Tulsa race massacre, um, sort of race in America, um, uh, the role of the police, a lot of really topical themes that are very relevant uh, and very confrontational, but still highly, highly recommend it's on HBO streaming on HBO max currently thinking along the lines of sort of the biblical epic and sort of the, again, idea of sort of flawed or um, less engaged gods. I really want to recommend Darren Aronofsky's Noah from 2014, a movie that I don't feel like very, I mean, like we saw people film people and specifically saw it and I checked it. It did make some money. So it wasn't like it was a flop, but um, I still feel like we talk about it very often. And and he does a non-traditional approach. Uh, I believe he is Jewish. So it is not presented from a, you know, Christian point of view, but he also takes like pieces from all sorts of different uh, religions around the world to sort of tell the story. Anyway, um, sort of the relationship with God and that film I find to be pretty interesting. Um, and then the last one I have related to gods is supernatural. The TV show. Yes. Mm -hmm. That one (laughs) season five, episode 19, it's called hammer of the gods. It's great because again, I won't spoil the series so much, but essentially Satan, uh, has come to start the apocalypse and all the other gods have problems with it. 
Now, their problems have nothing to do with the people or the humans. They all have <laughs> ego problems. So it's it's a really, really fun. I don't know if you haven't seen Supernatural. It sort of starts as this horror case of the week show that it becomes a lot more uh, serialized down the road and also super self-aware and likes to poke fun at sort of like conventions of plot. It gets very meta. But yeah, they have a lot of fun with, you know, they bring, I think, like Odin's in there, a whole bunch of gods saying, you can't do this because it's going to screw up our ecosystem or our followers or whatever, you know. So um, super fun episode. Again, that's Supernatural Season 5, Episode 19, Hammer of the Gods. I, was just, I love that you don't want to spoil like a 17-year-old episode of... <laughs> Of, of like yeah. of broadcast TV, <laughs> like just in case there's someone just now. I mean, there's always someone discovering Supernatural. I'm a huge Supernatural fan. I watch the whole thing in real time, like from day one. Um, so, uh, but like, I just love that you're like, I don't want to give anything away of like what happens. <laughs> well, because, okay, this is another separate podcast because I actually dropped off Supernatural in season seven, though I did come back for the last like three or four episodes. All that said, Season five at the time, you're like, this is we're heading towards the end game. And it's like really close to the end game. So you're like, oh, what's going to happen? I don't know. And and then they're like, they have their end game. And they're like, but what if we kept going <laughs> yeah. for 10 more for years? 10 more years. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, last sort of shout out I want to give. And this is just because uh, this is largely we are recording from Oklahoma City. This is, uh, you know. Oklahoma rooted podcast here on the cinematic schematic. So I have to give a shout out to uh, a series that Taika Waititi produces uh, reservation dogs, which is super awesome. It's on FX. It's on Hulu. You can watch episodes on Hulu the same day they come out. And it's just following sort of like the, I don't want to say slice of life, but like the lives of indigenous indigenous people living on a reservation, but like set in modern day. And it's also a comedy Probably one of the funniest TV shows I've seen, uh, new shows I've seen the last couple of years. I think the second season is starting later this summer. The first season, again, all available on Hulu. Check it out. It's a great show. Uh, again, a lot of folks, uh, we, we probably know between the three of us here in Oklahoma, probably know folks who worked on it. Um, but I'm not just saying because I know people who worked on it, it's a good show. Like, it's genuinely a really, really funny show. Um, so I highly recommend checking that out as well. All right, with all that said, let's go ahead and move into our spoiler discussion for Thor, Love, and Thunder. This is it. I take my leave. You fool, you didn't listen. I'm sorry. Lady Sif, get help! Somebody help! Sorry for all I've done. Shh, it's all right, hold on. I'm sorry I tried to rule Earth. I'd be lucky to have you. I'm sorry about that thing with the Tesseract. I just couldn't help myself. I'm a trickster. Yes. So mischievous. Yes. Sorry about that time I turned you into a frog. It was a wonderful joke. It was indeed hilarious. <laughs> you are the savior of Asgard. Tell my story. Build a statue for me. We will build a big statue for you. With my helmet on. With the big bendy horns. I will tell father what you did here today. You didn't do it for him. I didn't do it for him. And so Loki died of his wounds. All right, guys. So there's a lot of different things I want to get to here. And the first one is Gore, because frankly, I think it sounds like we all agree. He is absolutely one of the best parts of the movie. A, because Christian Bale, but B, like the idea of this guy who's betrayed by the gods and he's like, so let's just get rid of them. 
Um, it's kind of compelling. Uh, so, of course, Gore, uh, the, the film even has a cold open uh, of the death of Gore's daughter right in front of him. Which, by the way, a cold open, meaning they have a, a scene that plays before the uh, opening sort of uh, titles and credits uh, roll. Um, really sort of sets, this is where the tonal inconsistency comes in. But you're like, whoa, this is going to be a heavy, mm. let's go kill God sort of movie. And, um, you know, initially you're like, well, maybe it's just this one God. But then later we go to the uh, omnipotent city and turns out they're all awful. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to kind of turn it over to the table to see, like, what do you what do you think the movie is saying about sort of the, the fallibility of deities or, or maybe or if you want to make a real world analog, maybe powerful people via the way they use gods uh, in this film? You know, the way that Gore feels about gods is how I feel about people who have swimming pools and don't invite me over all summer. <laughs> <laughs> like, do they deserve to die? You know, I legally can't say yes, but Gore might be onto something. They have all of that power, but yet they're not sharing it with mm. me. But, uh, you know, it 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 is like a, a perfect for like a comic book movie. This person that has an axe to grind. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you can kind of like definitely feel why uh, he feels justified in in getting revenge on these people. And and in the process, you know, obviously kind of becoming the thing that he was trying to to kill in the first place. I mean, it's kind of like a very sensical, very strong character arc for him. And yeah, I mean, I, uh, and I think that comes across in uh, his performance. Like he's frustrated and he's up and down, like his voice changes. He, he's talking to his kids. He has that weird high pitched voice and, you know he's he's uh, super intense the next minute, and so yeah. I mean, I thought uh, uh, I I felt his frustration, and and uh, it it was uh, yeah. I think that heightened the performance. The uh, the scene um, that we mentioned earlier, and that you just alluded to, the scene where he's talking to the kids. Mm. That scene is terrifying for a couple of reasons. Uh, outside of the the performance, which is just creepy inherently. I'm trying to decide, was he trying to relate to them or mess with them? Either way, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty screwed up. Like, it's under your skin, you know? It was straight out of, like, the Pennywise playbook. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and I, I, you make a good point. I have no idea why he did that other than to, like, choose some scenery uh, <laughs> for Christian Bale. Because he like, yeah, he rips the head off of an eel thing. I do not know why. Um, and the kids are just like... Uh, I, I I honestly was like, can we get these kids out of here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gave me very uh, the black phone vibes, honestly. Oh, yeah. yeah like, so, yeah, it's coming in and taunting the kid that you're you have locked here. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Uh, Chad, what did you think about sort of how they use gods in the in the film? I mean, do, do you think like they're they're trying to get it? Marvel does this a lot where they touch on something and you're like, oh, and then they they go all the way up to the line and you're like, they're going to cross it. And then they don't. Yeah. All that said, there's some interesting ideas there. Yeah, they don't go deep enough. And uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I actually found parallels with with this movie and some of the stuff that's being touched on in The Boys. And I, I don't want to give any spoilers for that. I don't know if everyone in the room is caught up or even watching it. Um, but it's the same type of thing of like, you know, if we actually had extremely powerful, if not unlimited powerful beings, like – 
they'd get bored and have orgies. They'd get bored and, you know, just fuck with people for the, oh, sorry, I forget. Do we curse on this show? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Swearing aloud. Yes. Like, do we, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> do, you know, like, why wouldn't they just start fucking with people? Like, it's the same thing to me as like Q in the Star Trek universe, right? Like, and I think they, like, they handle Q really well over the years because eventually he does get bored and he wants something new. Um, so I totally agree with Gore. And I think you're right. Like, there's a really interesting story here. And once again, the MCU kills off what could have been like an incredibly like compelling villain that comes back again and again. Now, whether or not, you know, similar to Kate Blanchett, like, is this a, they got Christian Bale cause he's a one and done kind of thing. But like, there's some super interesting stuff. Maybe they're going to touch on it with, with one of those post credit scenes kind of eventually, but you know, they talked a little bit about it with Odin in the last movie as well, like where we found out that he he used to be an asshole. Now he became more of like the benevolent, you know, welcoming grandfather figure, but that's not how he started. So there's definitely something there. And I, I do wish they would have taken it on because it also like asks questions about like, where were they all when Thanos was going on? Like, why, why, why does Zeus and Quetzalcoatl and like, like, why does it take Earth's mightiest heroes to take down Thanos and not any one of those seemingly other people that we saw in the city sitting around? And it seems like, like the MCU just doesn't really want to answer that question. It's a great way for them to simultaneously have a reason for all the gods not being involved. And also, they very small Easter egg, but I do think it ties in and and I'm not going to project, but they did include the um, celestial. One of the celestials shows up at the, yeah. uh, in um, the city of Omnipotent too. And my understanding is they made the gods. So it's sort of like, they're like, yeah, these gods exist, but they don't care. They, they're <laughs> removed. And they just, like you said, they want to go just sit around. And um, I think the thing that's most, was most disturbing to me is like Russell Crowe acknowledges that he's scared and he acknowledges that people exist, but he's like, but they're not our problem. We're all good as long as we stay here. So again, just sort of like removing them from sort of like the larger story that's being told and let, and see now that we know that know they exist in case at some point, Kevin Feige is like, yeah, we want Zeus to show up or we want a cameo from, um, you know, you name any God, they can the, sort of tie the, it back the, into the, this film. The here. God of bow buns, which was the most like, it, it, it seemed like Disney was like, they, there's some merch to sell. Like we definitely, yes. we need that. <laughs> Do you really think that that, that bow bun God went to the orgies? Be honest. <laughs> I don't want to think I'm that. I don't, I'm convinced. I, I'm not going to ask any questions cause I don't know if I want to go much deeper. Here. <laughs> See what you're doing. Fair enough. Oh, Fair man. enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, again, that's, that, that's my biggest problem, Chad, to what you were saying though, is, and they did this, they've done, I can name several examples. They did this in civil war to a lesser extent. They did it with, um, Captain America Winter Soldier, where they sort of present this idea of like, has like white supremacy and Nazis infiltrated the highest levels of government, you know, and they they sort of address it, but they don't head on address it. And I feel like this is another instance where they've got a really compelling idea where they could really come out strong. And I'm not saying they have to like weigh in with an opinion about it, but the, like, I don't feel like. 
they they ask a question that they don't really answer in a, a super satisfying way by the time the movie's over. They yeah. just sort of satisfy it on like, you know, on the, the level of the story, the surface level story, but not thematically in any sort of compelling way. Yeah, they I mean, phase four seems to be just like we're going to kick the can down the road and someone else will figure it out question mark like there's just there's a lot of that going on in 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 everything since endgame yeah well it also raises the question uh and actually my fiance lauren brought this up she's like wait so do these gods live in the city of omnipotence is this like the one omnipotent city to rule them all like there's only one version of it that exists across the multiverse or is there like a different version of it mm, in every single uh, multiverse and it get, oh. you get into yeah i know right you get into like really dicey Wormhole. territory yeah <laughs> uh, um it's like but yeah what, it's, what do you think um so i man i feel like i'm swinging for the fences here i've got really philosophical uh, with this with this question but i i kind of got a subtext that they were skewering you know, religion and kind of the hypocrisy of it and saying like, you know, that the gods had would have to be imperfect to explain all the awfulness that's going around, you know, in the world. And so I kind of looked at it as kind of like a, a comical subtext on that, on that idea. But yeah. 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 No, I think again, it, it's one of the things I thought, again, I didn't pay it off in a super satisfying way thematically, but it, I, I do think it was one of the things that Taika was really, is a really well-equipped director to tackle such a question in a way that was funny. Which, by the way, we just stop before we go, you know, removing ourselves from all of the uh, philosophical nature. <laughs> uh, did you guys, I don't know about you guys, I actively cheered whenever <laughs> Thor caught the thunderbolt and threw it back through yes. <laughs> uh, Russell Crowe's Zeus. I thought that was great. I, the, the audience laughed on that one for me as well. It kept uh, Russell Crowe from using that accent, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm full I don't. So I don't know. Like bringing that up. I, I mean, looking on Twitter, there I've seen more than a couple of tweets being like, "My uncle from Greece sounds exactly like that." Like, so so like, I, I too thought it was like this is this is what everyone thinks like pizza guys in New York City sound like, but <laughs> I, like, but uh, maybe it, maybe it is based on someone. Like I, I don't know. Has Russell Crowe been making the the rounds at all for like promoting this movie? Uh, like I, <laughs> I, I haven't I seen a quote out. from him. I, I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of uh, Natalie Portman, but I yeah. haven't seen much of him. Um, I, I'm really curious because he's one of those actors, even in a movie like this, I can totally see him like being one of those actors who just calls a bunch of people in Italy and is like, what do they sound like? <laughs> do the, the voice, do the, the voice, window. do the voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. I kind of want to see him show back up in a future movie with the accent. Uh, I couldn't stop laughing. It's probably too much for most people, but I thought it was hilarious. Okay. So on the note of. Uh, Jane Foster, Dr. Jane Foster, who, by the way, has some great recommendations in this film. Did you did you guys did you guys hear that? That shout out to one of my favorite sci fi horror movies, Event Horizon. I heard it. She said, watch it. <laughs> Listeners, you should watch Event Horizon. Yes. The science in it is amazing. It's incredible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, she's back. And in, in, in like we were talking about in the spoiler free, she really has struggled to find a good footing in the MCU as a whole. She was sort of a com semi comedic romantic interest in the first one, especially because it was like a fish out of water and she was sort of the straight man, so to speak. And then Thor, the dark world, I feel like really wasn't sure what to do with her. And then she disappears entirely for Ragnarok. And we, we, we get a sort of a quote unquote redemption opportunity for that character uh, in this film. 
Um, you know, because she's playing the mighty Thor. So, um, Chad, I'll start with you. I mean, were you satisfied with how they handled, you know, we'll start with the cancer storyline. Um, were you, were you satisfied with sort of how they, they handled her role as it relates to that? Uh, not, not really. Like, I'm glad she definitely got more to do than she's ever had. Um, but it, it still felt ham fisted at times. It felt like we don't really know how to handle this again. You know, we talked about like, you know, she's sitting at this infusion center getting chemo and like, we got to throw in Darcy, like waka waka. Like, we don't know. We don't know how to deal with the seriousness of it. So we're just going to make some jokes in the middle. You know, I, I, I appreciate, like, I think it's, I think it's up for debate. Like how much agency does she have? Like, did she actually make the decision to pick up Mjolnir or like, does, does the whole kind of, the thing where they say like, oh, well, actually, you know, I told Mjolnir to watch out over her and she, the, the hammer calls to her. Like, I, I don't know. It, it it feels iffy. I think it would, it would have been much better if it was like very clear of like she went through all of her options. This was her only way. Like this was her this was her choice. Much like the the, the ending. I was I was legit surprised that she picked up the hammer one last time. So so with that. Yeah, you know, I I I liked, but it's still like, look, the MCU has a villain problem. The MCU has a, has has a woman problem, like, and they've yeah. mm. they've got to fix it um, sometime soon. Um, you know, I, I think some of the TV stuff they've done is a little bit better. Um, I'd like them to really address it, uh, you know, in 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 some of their big budget films. You know, you can't just throw out a, a Black Widow movie after, you know, the character dies right, for right. earlier in the MCU and say, we got it. We got our hero, you know, mm-hmm. the one who's never going to appear in another MCU movie. <laughs> um, no, I think that's I, I think that's a really fair point you call out there, Chad. I feel like she has some autonomy, but you raise a, a, the, the point you raised there about, well, she did make the choice, but also the hammer. It reminds me, it makes me really think of that scene on the Internet when Game of Thrones, the last season came out and they're like, did Jon Snow distract the Night King or, or what a dragon long enough to, so that Arya could assassinate the Night King, whatever. You guys remember that? Mm-hmm. There was a whole mm-hmm. internet yeah. discussion about, oh, Jon Snow did play a role because we want him to, you know. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a similar thing where they almost included that as a way to sort of like stop the naysayers who might have found it a little, uh, and by naysayers, I mean probably mostly dudes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who were like, she wouldn't do that on her own, you know, something to that effect, which is kind of a bummer. Um, Nathan, what did you think about how they use uh, the mighty Thor in this film? Um, you know, she wasn't that much fun in life, so why not try death? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh. You know, in in a way, it kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Iron Man 3 and Tony Stark's kind of convenient PTSD that kind of pops in there when as a convenient plot element. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, it's not nearly as big of a problem and he can do his thing. And so, I don't know. I think that it could have been a lot more interesting and some nuance to to how she's dealing with that. But again, we've got a two-hour movie and we're kind of flying through it. So, you know, you can only put that in there so much. But um, I think uh, I she did the best with what she was given. Again, another uh, award-winning, uh, Academy Award-winning uh, actress. actress yeah. You know, I, I feel like does does good, but maybe kind of wanted to see a little more. 
Yeah. I, that's kind of what I'm hearing. And I, I kind of, I feel the same way. Leron, she can you act, think? you know? Yeah, she can act. <laughs> Give her some good stuff. She can do it. She can go there. You know? She could be a villain, you know, but um, yeah, I, I appreciated the um, attempt at, de- at depth, you know? Um, I don't know if they accomplished it, but um, at least, you know, I felt like it made it more um, digestible than the, the, the last two, you know? Um, Cause her character, anytime we cut to her, I was like, give me Kat Dennings. I don't care about Natalie Portman. Give me Kat Dennings. You know? So, um, and I love Natalie Portman. So that just felt like the character was undercooked and here it's like seasoned a little better, you know, but still not quite what we're wanting from it, you know? So, but yeah, I, I think I'm, I, I think we're all on the same page undercooked. It's good. They included it. And I will say, you know, assuming we ignore the post-credit stinger, which we're going to talk about here in one sec, but it does put a better sense of closure on that character's relationship to Thor, at least, because it was kind of weird that there was this, I mean, for what, like, so Dark World came out in 2013, so it's that seven, nine years. So nine years where they're like, hey, remember Jane Foster that we introduced for two movies and then <laughs> she poofed? Well, at least now we kind of know what happened. And I actually thought the the whole sequence where they or a montage where they kind of go through their dating relationship. I thought that was really funny and kind of sweet, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite sort of montages in the, in, the, in the film. And there are actually for a movie that's not very long. There's a lot of montages <laughs> in this movie. Um, so, you know, I think I, I, I feel at ease if we never, ever see her again that, you know, I wouldn't say justice is done, but at least there's like a, a sense of closure that feels like, okay, well, she got her, her send off. Yeah. yeah. And she had her moment. Right. But that is bring me to, you know, the post credit stinger, which uh, guys, this commits what I consider a cardinal sin of pop culture, at least over the last 20 years, probably further back. I have a pet peeve. Okay. And this pet peeve. Sorry, little one, you're hearing the spiel again. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, it's, I noticed it, it. I agree with you. I noticed it in video games going back to halo three, 2007, you, you, you set this character up, you build them up. It's building up to clearly a self-sacrificial act and you do the act and you're moved. You're like, ah, oh, oh man, it's so sad to see him go, but they go out on top and clearly this is where it was heading all along. Man, ah, oh, well, so sad we won't get him again, but that's such a fulfilling arc. And then you watch the credits. The film completes. It ends. This person is dead. Capital D. Credits play. You have to stick around through the entire credits because there are two post-credits scenes. We're going to talk about the second one at the very, very end and cut to Valhalla. Uh, So Natalie Portman did, in fact, die in battle. So she has earned her ticket to Valhalla and she gets there and our boy Idris Elba is up there, Hemdal uh, himself, waiting for her. It's a great moment. But then I'm also like, oh, no, this is a comic book movie. So this is a way for them to, like, tuck her away, tuck both of those characters away, frankly, into Valhalla, and if one day we ever want to summon them, we'll find some sort of plot device or contrivance to summon them from Valhalla. Yeah. So I'm just throwing this out there. I kind of hated the second post credit <laughs> stinger, even if it has Idris Elba, which I felt like was sorely missing from this film. Uh, Nathan, what did you think of the, the post credit stinger here? Another chance to stare into his eyes. I mean, <laughs> if that's cheating, then I don't want to play by the rules. <laughs> Yeah, I, you're not wrong. It kind of felt like, uh, you know, when Chewbacca died. Oh. And I was oh. like, no, nah, he's just on the other ship, dummy. You're so dumb for thinking he's dead. You're so dumb. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it can open. I just hope it opens the door into something. It's some good ideas. But 
Yes, you're not wrong. You, uh, we, uh, we went through that whole two hours and like, she's gone. She's really gone. She's totally gone. It's just a little gone. I, I, might, have, <laughs> I might have walked up get, get glossy eyed when I saw her turn into dust. It was a really, and it was a really sweet, powerful moment because it didn't play out like I would have expected it to. <laughs> why is quite. the real question is why is nobody from Mad Max Fury Road in Valhalla? <laughs> For real though, it came to mind. Mm, came plot to mind. hole. <laughs> I think this is a huge failure. <laughs> Uh, Laron Chapman, what did you think about? Well, well, actually, I have, I have a response. Yeah, no, I just, I to be honest, I mean, like I, uh, I'm, I created a Marvel sin and didn't see the second credit. I saw the first. He left. You, I you, saw. You never leave before the very end. LeBron. And I and I knew this, and I know this. Like I do. Everyone tells me, like every Marvel, it doesn't matter. I know they're all dead, but it doesn't matter. They're <laughs> going to come back. You know, like so. It's like so. You have to always stay at the end, and I, and I always do. And I stayed for the first one, thinking, oh, that was a pretty substantial moment. Surely that's the only one they have. Not that, that was a bad mistake. But you described it to me, and I can see how that absolutely would lessen the impact of the departure for me. Because, um, yeah, all that emotion, all that dust is now like, oh, well, actually, she's fine. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Chad, what'd you think? Look, uh, despite apparently Taika forgetting that uh, Natalie was in the Star Wars movies, um, she finally gets to be a fucking force ghost. And like, I am a hundred percent okay <laughs> with that, uh, in a world with like time travel and variants and, and multiverses and the TV, like there's a million and one ways that they could legit bring her back as some other version of Dr. Jane Foster, or maybe in another one, she never finishes her PhD. I don't know. But like this, this, I don't know, this doesn't diminish it in any way for me because like there are a million other doors that they could open to get her back into the franchise if they ever actually needed to. So I I thought it was just a cool, like, yes, Valhalla, like again, going back to the theology piece, like Valhalla exists and we're confirming that this is not just like, a belief of Asgardians and, you know, they think this is what happens, but death is, you know, is meaningless. They actually confirm like, no. And and so if Heimdall's there, that means, you know, Odin is there and Frigga is there and everyone else that we, that we've seen turn into gold dust and, and whatever, you know, they could bring back the warriors three. I was glad to see Sif back in this. So like, yep. uh, you know, it doesn't take anything away from me. That's fair. Uh, and I will say, in true sort of like Taika comedy sense, it is a great way to end the film because it pays off the joke that they keep making throughout the film. That's like, well, if you don't die in Valhalla, if you don't die in battle, you don't get a Valhalla. Uh, uh, the, the, the Lady Sif, uh, oh, your arm might be in Valhalla. It died in battle. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Um, all right. Well, I think that's actually going to be a good segue to sort of the, the final topic that I want to hit on here, which is the, the sort of state of the phase four of the MCU. Now, with that, this was not planned in the question. So stay with me, guys. I, I We probably should at least acknowledge that first credit sequence. So uh, first off, Russell Crowe, not dead. Normally, I'd be irritated, but because I loved his performance so much, <laughs> Nathan hates me. Uh, I loved it so much. I was super excited to see that apparently that hole in his chest was nothing but a but a flesh wound, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he also brings in uh, Hercules. He's he's super mad that these humans are only worship or not worshiping gods anymore. They're only interested in caped heroes. So he summons Hercules to apparently be the hero for I what I imagine is. 
uh, Thor five or some other, I guess it could literally be a TV, it could be anything, TV show, Avengers, Young yeah. Avengers, whatever. Um, so any thoughts on, the, before we kind of get into the, the, the larger phase four, any thoughts on that first, or that first uh, post-credit sequence? Lauren, I'll start with you since you actually saw that one. I did see that one. <laughs> um, honestly, it carries little impact for me, but I, I mean, at least it, it gives us a nugget of something to to kind of, you know, profess what's going to happen, what's going to happen next with him. Um, the humor is still there too. I still feel like there's a, there's a love, like, cause the motivation for this is very silly. So, um, it's like they're going to keep leaning into that kind of subversive humor. So, okay. All right, Nathan, you know, it's a real shame they couldn't get Martin Scorsese in there to complain about, uh, people caring too much about, uh, Cape Crusaders. <laughs> I feel like that would have been a perfect, uh, role for him, but, uh, I guess it's interesting that, uh, the, Ted Lasso universe can can get <laughs> can get wrapped into this, um, but uh, I don't know. That was just sort of fun. But once again, I don't know. Do you not have the same complaint about somebody that we thought was super dead being not super dead? Okay, but see, here's the difference. One of them is the like one of the titular heroes you're emotionally invested in. The other is a hysterical bad. I don't even know bad guy. He's a super goofy side character that I enjoy watching so much. I want more. I don't know. It. it, it Fair enough. It's it's the same, but it's in my mind, same it's not. but different. But it's yeah. not. Do you really think the you know the the king of the gods can be taken down by his own weapon? Like mm. you would I, need at least two lightning bolts. For yeah, it. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, or uh, yes. <laughs> um, the, even the fanboying out about uh, for Thor fanboying out about um, Zeus was was quite funny. I thought. Um, Chad, are you excited? Does, does this uh, Post credit stinger with 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 Hercules. Does this get you amped up for the next thing? I, I mean, I think I don't want to sing it, but I think you should insert like the Roy Kent chant, like the audio of that here. Roy Kent, Roy Kent, Roy Kent. I thought about breaking it out to into it, like at the theater, but. Again, being by myself, like I, I think people would have just been weirded out. Um, <laughs> I, you know, is this any different that like, I, yeah, maybe this is the segue into like talking into the larger part, but like this is this is what now like the sixth major ca- like new character being played by an all star that we're supposed to care that like at some point in the future that characters. I mean, they did this again with with. Uh, Doctor Strange. They did this with Eternals. Um, they were supposed to do this with Black Widow, but uh, Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier scooped them on it. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, apparently this was just going to be the theme of Phase Four of like introducing incredibly famous people as side characters. You know, I mean, I, I like it was fine. I just, I just want a payoff and. Yeah. yeah, you know they, they've got a long history of this, right? Nick Fury and and uh, Wanda, like we've had some pretty serious characters be introduced in the same manner. So, like, I'm not totally upset by it. I'm just upset that like we don't even know when these characters might might actually show up. Yeah. Yeah. So on your on that note of Nick Fury here, because I was sort of thinking through this myself um, about sort of the MCU. Like, why is this different than phase one? Because phase one, theoretically, 
it was the same sort of thing. We, in fact, phase one post credit stingers were like a new thing. You know, mm-hmm. they introduced the, the, the Nick Fury scene at the end of Iron Man. They introduced that sort of as a, a way to set up what's going differently. And the difference, I think the, the closest I can come up to the difference here, why I don't really like it here, but I liked it then is what they were building up to is very clear. All Nick Fury says, have you ever heard of the Avengers initiative? And you're like, oh my gosh, we're building up to an Avengers movie, which had never been done. It was unprecedented. And now it's just like you were saying, Chad, here's a famous character and here's a famous character. None of these characters seem in any way connected, by the way. So you can't even sort of like try to extrapolate, oh, well, maybe they're all talking to each other or there's some sort of storyline they're building to because, you know, the, the character we get Charlize Theron spoilers for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, but I doubt she's going to interact with Hercules much. She's probably not going to interact with the character we see at the end of um, Black Widow much. You know, these seem like very disparate sort of storylines and, and parts of the MCU that we're going in. So, I, I mean, guys, we are, this is the fifth movie in phase four. We've had seven officially canon MCU TV series, and I say officially canon because there's a bunch of other shows that's sort of questionable before Phase Four. How are we feeling about how things stand? Because I, I, Chad, I don't know about you. It's, I think we're. On, it sounds like we're on the same page. I am really not excited, <laughs> which sounds bad. I'm curious, but there's no there's no momentum, and I feel like the shows are requiring more of an investment, and it feels like it's continuing to pull things in even in even more disparate directions. Mm. So Chad, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, this just to your point, like the people that got introduced, we knew where they were going towards, right? Like, so go, going to Wanda, Wanda was introduced at the end of what civil, so not civil war, uh, a winter soldier, right? Was yes. she in the, you know, yeah. So again, like we kind of know what that's going towards. We see her and her brother, like, uh, this to me and and all of phase four and and this might just be the role that it's playing it's just dumping the toy box out like it's just it feels like kevin feige just like grabbing shit off the shelf and being like let's put it on the map and like and you know we're gonna have one of these writers retreats in 2023 and then we're gonna figure out the next step if that's the role that phase four is playing is just dumping a bunch of stuff out i think that's kind of fine at at some point we got to know where we're heading. I mean, mm. you know, in, in the real world, like we're about, we got San Diego this week, we got D 23, we got another Disney day, Disney plus day. So like, I expect we'll start to get some, maybe some answers or timelines of when these things are actually gonna, gonna come out. But I, I, I agree. Like it was fun previously. And now it just seems like, they're just writing checks and we're hope like we're just assuming that they're going to cash them because of how great phase three ended. I, I, I guess, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, there's, there's some that are exciting and look, at least we got the name Hercules, like Charlie shows up at Dr. Strange and it's just like, I guess I got to go to screen rant to find out who, what character that was. Like, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Like my, my Doctor Strange depth does does not tell me who that is. Uh, you know, uh, the same with uh, oh Harry Styles. Maybe Harry Styles and Hercules are hanging out together. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that makes they at least they both have spaceships. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> also, don't forget, guys, we're getting a Blade movie here somewhere. I'm not mad about that one, but you know, but where that is that? One. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That <laughs> See, that's how they keep doing it. I'm always like, I'm kind of getting fatigued. Like, oh, but Blade. But okay, Blade. you have my attention. We got a Taika Waititi movie. Okay, I'm excited about that. Sam Raimi. I'm like, okay, cool. Blade. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm mm. good. But 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nathan, what do you make of this? Like, how are you feeling about the state of Marvel? Uh, I mean, earlier you said, holy cow, how have we watched 29 of these? Can you go for 29 more? Uh, give me 10,000 more. <laughs> bring it Bring it on. Just tie me to a chair and keep my eyeballs open. All. Um, I don't know. I watched, I saw this great meme the other day. Uh, you guys remember the Green Mile and John Coffey when he, he takes the evil out of the person and he's like, I'm tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> and uh, I have a, a ceiling fan in my bedroom that I haven't turned off all summer. And yep. it's they mm-hmm. feel that same I'm tired, boss. That's kind of how I feel. I have fallen behind for the first time in forever. Like, I'm not really keeping up with the shows. I've tried to start a couple of them. I get distracted. I don't really, I think I've only watched about half of those, and I don't think I'm really missing too much yet. I might go back and watch them, but, uh, yeah, you're not, I don't think it's feeling less and less essential to keep up with some of this stuff. And what I'm mostly interested in is like, keep bringing in big personalities and, and just let them have fun with these movies. Um, that's, that's what I want. I want more people like Taika to be on board for this stuff and just to get as much personality and as, many different things in here that we can point out and enjoy as humanly possible. Because again, yeah, 29 of these things, like you got to do something to shake it up. I mean, how many Bond movies are there? It's like we've, we've almost, not, sur- have we surpassed that? I think that? we've surpassed. Cause I want to say, I want to say Skyfall was 25. Yeah, I want to say. And that's over how, what span of time though. You know what I mean? Like all the different sixties or seventies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they have 30 films in a, you know, this that's that's kind of over. It's oversaturation, guys. We're at fourteen years in, so twenty nine and fourteen years. And again, that does not count the television shows, right? Right. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say, Nathan, to your point, um, and, and Chad, I want to I want to bring it back to you because I want to I, I do want to follow up with kind of your thoughts on on the television shows too. I have kept up with most of the TV shows, but man, I have to say, I've never felt more obligated to watch a show. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. But like, do you have to reward yourself with the sticker? <laughs> at the end I of did it. it. I did it. I'm just like, well, that's what I'm saying. They're asking for more than they ever have. Three to four movies a year, two to three TV series a year. And right now it just feels like it's aimless. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Because especially with television, there's so much exceptional television out there that I have to to choose between this and do I want to be part of what's popular, the popular conversation, or do I want to watch the best TV shows? Right. And there is sometimes some overlap in the two, but frequently I'm sorry, the MCU shows just, I don't think have been exceptional. I thought WandaVision was probably the strongest outing, even though I had some gripes with that. I thought Loki was lots of fun, even though I had gripes with that, but mostly, and, and what if was also lots of fun, probably one of the stronger ones as well. But like, I really, Really wanted to like Falcon the Winter Soldier. Didn't dig that. Gosh, uh, there was um, Hawkeye. Is Hawkeye next. is the only one I have. I haven't seen Hawkeye yet. I know about <laughs> things that happen in Hawkeye, and I hear that's one of the better ones. But by uh, <laughs> oh, the Ms. Marvel show, which I have been told by various people. I watched the first episode, loved it. Have been told by other people who've stayed on it. By far the best so, show. But because I've been so fatigued with lots of mediocre shows, I'm just mm. like. I'll get back to that, yeah. which sucks because that's the one that I probably should have watched. Uh, Moon Knight was a huge letdown where I just was uh, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, I heard a groan. Yeah. yeah. So, so Chad, I'm going to turn it back. I'm going to turn it back to you, Chad, in a second, because, because I'm like, there's so much potential. And yet I always feel like walk away 
feeling like we almost had something great, but not quite. But mm. anyway, so Chad, retort my all, my my opinion <laughs> on the shows. It's totally fine. I, no, no, I've watched them all, and I agree. Like I, I was super excited for WandaVision, super excited for Loki. I agree. I, I what if I think is the most fun because they yeah. right, they just have the flexibility to do so much more stuff um, with that. And then especially where, where it ended and what they're going to do with season two. But again, we don't know when we're getting season two yet. Uh, maybe this year, maybe next year. Um, I, I've kept up with all Moon, moonlight. Was it like, I was excited and happy and like, I'm just like, again, like uh, we're, we're living in a time of gluttony where like, I never thought we would get like one movie a year, let alone like, you know, last year we got like five Marvel television shows on top of like everything else that we got. So, I, you know, I, I, I kind of feel the same way that I do with Star Wars, like uh, right now, which is like, look, if you don't like this one, like another one's coming right around the corner. Like we, do, we no longer have to wait three years or one year or, you know, six months even for like, the next thing um you know miss marvel's great the last episode was was a bit of like a exposition salad because i think they just need to get somewhere but more and more of these things are just feel like epilogues and prologues like miss marvel really just feels like if they took that gore scene that cold open and were like what if we just followed gore around for six episodes and you had to watch that before you went to see thor that's kind of what Miss Marvel is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we're going to get her in the Marvels next year. I think it's next mm-hmm. year. Um, so I'm having fun, except for Moon Knight. I don't understand. Like, again, th- there was a whole show about like Egyptian deities. I don't know why it didn't connect to Thor, like in any way. Like, I don't know why none of them, like why it didn't set up what we saw. Like there's, there's such an obvious connection there. And that, that's the only thing that's now giving me pause of like, if those two things didn't connect, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to assume? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're spot on. And that's the thing. It's, it's like, we're, I'm investing all this time and I'm not sure if it's going to pay off. And if we're in, so that's that's sort of where that feels starts to feel like an obligation. Whereas with the films, I think Nathan, to what you said, if we're gonna get so many of these, like let's get the Sam Raimi's and the Taika Waititi's. I want to, you know, get the best direct. Which you know, I know John Favreau, uh, not John Favreau, sorry, uh, Kevin Feige recently was saying that like for Fantastic Four, for example, he wants to get like an A plus director, mm-hmm. you know, to do that one. I'm like, yeah, you know, what? if you're gonna insist that we we keep riding this train for a little longer like let's give us the best version of that thing and hopefully allow those people who are the best at what they do to really elevate the material because right now i don't know if it's the volume um i don't know if it's the fatigue but it definitely feels like the for me personally it feels like overall diminishing returns diminishing returns that much like you know taco bell or McDonald's or Bueno. I'm, gonna go I'm back. still going to go, go back, back to every time. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Give no me matter what it does. It's always want, fun. It's always satisfying. <laughs> I want the Michael Bay Hulk movie. Like, Ooh, that, fun. <laughs> like it makes no sense. It's just him like <laughs> ravaging things for, I mean, for like 98 minutes. Like that's a, like a 98 minute Michael Bay Hulk movie would be amazing. I, you know, <laughs> I don't. I don't disagree I saw, and i'm not a fan of michael bay at all but um 
that might be where his strengths would be better suited. <laughs> I, I do know that I just saw what that man can do with drones and ambulance. And let me tell you, I, sign me up. For I'll give more. you that. I'll give you that. Hold on. Ambulance to Hulk is the driver. <laughs> there you what do you think? I'd watch. Yeah. Buy I'd me watch. five tickets, please. <laughs> Look, I, I, I sat for night. I'm definitely there. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, guys. Well, uh, I think we're about out of time. One other, uh, I just want to go around and, and give everyone a chance to weigh in uh, for any closing thoughts. My I, The one closing thought I want to bring up, because it somehow didn't come up, my favorite comedic bit in the whole movie was actually a return of the comedic bit from Thor Ragnarok, which is the stage play, where we, in fact, got Matt Damon, Sam oh, Neill, yeah. and then uh, Hemsworth's, uh, Luke Hemsworth, mm-hmm. his, young, his younger brother, I think, one, one of his brothers, yeah. um, playing them on the stage. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I fantastic. Loved it. That was great. That was fun. Oh, man, that was good stuff. Uh, way to, and, and, and the fact that Matt Damon was in the middle of a uh, cataclysmic event trying to figure out how to dramatize it. Mm. Chef's kiss. <laughs> that seals it. He really for me. found a way to satirize it all. Yeah, that that was the thing. Like the first bit, I was like, I don't know if this works a second time. But then when they do it, when like they seal it with that, like, oh no, they believe they are like true thespians. Like they're like <laughs> actors. Like that that seals the bit for it. Like that that's what that's what mm-hmm. makes it work. Oh man, so good. Um, all right. Well, any other closing thoughts on uh, Thor: Love and Thunder? Nathan, anything you want to add before we sign off today? Slam down the hammer. <laughs> not on this table, please. No, 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 not. Uh, I think I've touched on pretty much everything. I know you. We. I did think about this because I did rewatch uh, Ragnarok the other day. We got Sam Neill. We had Jeff Goldblum. You were so short from that Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> all three of our our actors together again, but. I think that that's something I would like to see in the next mm. Thor. They're going to get a Thor five and it'll be simultaneously a better Jurassic park movie <laughs> than dominion. <laughs> Same time. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, exactly. Sorry Chad. <laughs> uh, Ron, any other closing thoughts? Um, I feel like, yes, I, I feel like they need, they're going to need to basically make some major departments departures from formula. And if they're going to, you know, continue to make any of this, you know, tenable, you know, moving forward. So I think the remix of it, adding, like you said, auteur directors, you know, things like that are going to help us like, you know, give us a, a different angle to approach these stories. That's the best way I think we can move forward without, without any major urgency, you know, mm. remix it. I've got to say the next, if I remember correctly, the next theatrical release is Wakanda forever. Yeah. And it's. Pro- I think I'll probably have a change of tune when we get our first mm-hmm. promo for it. But I have to say, and even though I loved the first Black Panther, like that's mm-hmm. top five MCU for me. I I gotta say, I have like almost no enthusiasm for it. Same. Um, and I, some of that's un- not the movie's fault. Chadwick Boseman and not yeah. and just not knowing how they're gonna handle it. it it'll, it'll probably be fine. But it's like I've never been like less enthused about future future mm-hmm. mar- any future future mar- Marvel project than I am right now. Um, yeah. So to your point. Remixing essential. Remix it. Add that boys to men soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Chad, any closing thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder? Um you know, I I think I've been generally positive. So I like I don't want to end on a downer, but like there the the couple of things that just rubbed me I I thought the like what'd you guys think of the Infinicone like ice cream part like the whole the whole like where where ships stop off at, at at uh New Asgard like seems super weird to me, and then yeah, that like that's supposed to make the, fun of Disney World or what? 
What's that? I, I didn't really I didn't really follow why that yeah. was funny or why they wanted to do that. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Like it was just like, oh, this is like cruise ships stop here now. I, I thought, I don't know, the, the Infinicone thing. Like it's it's one of those just like ooh moments where it, you know at, at, I don't know if you guys watched Hawkeye as well, but there was like a at one point he like picks up a mug and it says like I think it was like Thanos was right or like yeah you know, there was something like like they they've no. put these like kind of like little bit Easter eggs, but like I I don't know like the, you know the the impact of the snap like I, I don't know if in that world it would be like you know would we have like the 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 two towers ice cream you know across the street from like the world trade center like in the world like i don't know there were there were a couple of things like that where i was just like i think it goes back to like they tried to go for too many jokes because they didn't know how to like handle other things and again in a world where like there's a four-hour version of this movie like how bad were the other things that were cut if we got things like that if we got screaming goats a dozen times like if we so like that that's where the like little bits of it like it's a little bit of a death by a thousand cuts for me like overall i love it when you start to focus like that's the only those are the types of things that like it took a point away every time something like that happened but i I will say just to your point and this is more of a larger mc problem that we're seeing you know manifest itself here they really, I don't think, thought through the blip, which I actually think was a really cool thing, like an, an event that happened. That cause before that, it was like an MCU, nothing really stuck in terms of like, oh, this awful thing happened that everyone remembers, you know, that we all mm. talk about. So I like that they keep it around and keep acknowledging it because your point, Chad, it would be like, oh, five years after 9-11, we're probably still feeling it, right? And, mm. and it's not, and, and frankly, it was half the population just poofed. Mm-hmm. And then came back, which is also its own sort of emotional journey, even though it's a good thing. It's still yeah. a challenge. Right. Mm. So it does. I, I don't know that they really thought through how they were going to handle that after they did it, if that makes sense, before they did it. Yeah. Like they say, hey, we're going to do this thing. And they kind of have because they've, they've, they've attacked it from a lot of different ways, mostly comedic. But there's not been a way yet that just feels really satisfying and even like consistent with the MCU as a whole. Uh, so far, because it's it's been a little different each movie. I haven't really been super happy with it. It was kind of weird. I agree. Falcon and Winter Soldier came the closest. Um, and again, it's another one of those like there was something really interesting to say there. And then it gets resolved because like Falcon now Captain America makes a speech to some politicians on live TV. Like they, yeah, they they don't. But again, we don't address the fact that, yeah, there's now. 4 billion people that need to be fed in the world that we're not prepared to like, there's some interest. There's some really interesting things there that I almost wish again, in a world where we're getting like heist movies and dramedies and, and horror, like, can we just, can we actually get like a, a serious drama set in the Marvel world? I don't know. Like, you know, what, what is, what is like a $40 million drama that like, you know, addresses some of that in in the MCU look like. Um, and, and would so anyone Martin go to Scorsese. see it? Yeah. If you're listening now. Martin make Scorsese. it cinema. Martin, make Martin, it cinema. Martin Scorsese, make it cinema. Yes, exactly. Make it cinema. Give us your $40 million heist movie or, or mob movie about <laughs> the crime syndicates after <laughs> the blip. 100%. I'm there for it. Better than oh, Renee. Um, uh, yes. And just remake Moon Knight. Just. <laughs> 
for you to make this <laughs> like that. Even with the same actors, just uh all right, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's that's about all we have time for today. Um I don't have anything else to say other than I just hope Taika keeps making good stuff. And I I I do genuinely, to your point, Nathan, earlier, I am genuinely concerned. We also didn't mention he voiced he was a ma- voiced a major character in Lightyear earlier this summer. Um That's right. So this guy's doing all the, and it's not just like he's doing one thing a lot. He's doing all the things all seemingly the time. all the time. So I I do just really hope one we should all continue to support his work because I love that he's getting to do so much cool stuff and even with things like Reservation Dogs able to elevate people along with him, sure. which is awesome. On the other hand, I'm like I really am concerned that if he does another Thor movie or what his Star Wars looks like, I just really hope he can bring the same level that we saw with Hunt for Wilder People or Jojo Rabbit or even some of his television projects, what we do in the shadows. Um, all that to be said, tremendous director, uh, tremendous talent in this movie that's worth watching, even if I don't think it's a home run, even if it's just a ground double. Still worth your time. Check it out. All right, everyone. Uh, well, really quickly, I just want to say thank you to each one of our guests for joining us today and give them a chance to sort of talk about what where people can find their work online. Uh, so Nathan Poppy, thanks so much for joining us today. Where can people follow you, you and your work online? Yeah, you can always find me on the internet at Nathan Poppy, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you're in Oklahoma City and you want to pick up an issue of the Curbside Chronicle and one of our vendors in a green vest, that's a great way to help end homelessness here in Oklahoma City. Always appreciate people's support with that. Awesome. Uh, Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can people follow you and your work online? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm C. Parisman at pretty much every social media place. Um, hit me up. I'm, I'm always particular on, on podcasts, uh, always interested in, uh, hearing what's going on. And if anyone, uh, is looking to, to make a podcast or want some tips or just some advice, um, uh, hit me, you know, find me, find me on the socials. Awesome. Laurent Chapman, as always, sir, thanks for jumping in on this one. Uh, I know you've got quite the summer ahead of you schedule-wise, so thanks for being able to, to make some time to talk a little bit of Thor, Love, and Thunder. Where can people follow you and your work online? Um, they can follow me on Facebook under my name. Um, and then if they want to um, listen to my um, – read my written reviews on Letterboxd, it's at Senna underscore man. That's great. Letterboxd, we don't promote that on this show enough. We should start doing that every time. So um, see Masters Talk. Just like you can find me on Twitter. If you just want to get straight to the the movie reviews, Letterbox is a great platform. By the way, game changer when you're making your top ten list at the end of the year. Seriously, absolutely changed my life. <laughs> like, so like saving easy. me. I love Nathan's saving... reviews. They're yes. they're they're always short and sweet. Yes, and, and poignant. They're free. <laughs> uh, so letterbox is an app that lets you track and rate mo- and review movies so if you're not using it highly recommend in fact i'm probably going to start talking about it on every podcast uh moving forward um but you can also find me on twitter tweeting about all the things mostly film uh television video games sometimes podcasts as well uh over c masters talk that's letter c masters talk you can keep up with all the work we're doing here at the cinematropolis uh and the cinematic schematic at the cinematropolis.com Again, available on Twitter and Facebook, um, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Cinematropolis or on Twitter at The Cinematrop. We're also on Instagram. Confession, Caleb, very bad at Instagramming. So (laughs) mostly I've been experimenting with stories lately. I'm not going to say it's the best Instagram experience, but you could also follow us at The Cinematrop on Instagram as well. All gods are imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to learn from the best. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you again next time when we return for our review of Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope. And that review will be coming the week of July 25th. A nice little reunion show. 
Fun fact, Laurent and I's first podcast all the way back at Get Out in 2017? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. In our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Mm-hmm.